0: And would you pray with me as I pray? Father, um, I just pray that you would bow our hearts, that you would make us humble. Because that seems to be the key on our part for the kind of relationship with you we want. But Lord, ultimately, That relationship that we have with you is because of you. That your grace is a pursuing grace. That your love is everlasting. That your mercies are new every morning. That your grace is all sufficient. That your forgiveness is forever. Because of you. So even as you pursue us as we continue to worship you I pray that our hearts would pursue you that we would not leave here today the same way we walked in but we would look and smell and taste more like Jesus Christ for the fame and the glory of his name and it's in that beautiful name Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior that we pray and all God's people said Amen. Would you please remain standing for the reading of the Word of God.
1: 1 John 1, 1 through 1-10 We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the Word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. We, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to, give, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that he, that his word has no place in our hearts.
0: Amen. Thank you, Levi. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So let me ask you a question, do we think prayer is important? Like, do we think prayer is important? So whether that we is a collective we like we all at Crosstrain or we as you, so my next question is, so why don't we pray? Right, because over and over we talk about like not just not just here at this church, but in the church. Probably out of all the spiritual disciplines that are out there, as you know, being in the Word and fellowship and um, you know tithing and everything else, prayer is the number is the is is consistently the weakest thing in the life of the of the spiritual life of the church and in the believer. That is not true for everybody, but it is it is most true for most people so why don't we pray and here's the answer i think ultimately we don't like what it takes in our lives to really come to him in genuine prayer do you remember andrew murray said this he said that the secret of secrets humility is the soul of prayer and humility is not a natural human condition Right? But prayer is the language of humility. Prayer is the admission of insufficiency. Right? Prayer is the language of dependence. It is the heart's cry for help. Guys, prayer is admitting we need God. Out of, out of You know we are a people of the word, being in the word, Doug's soapbox, however you want to say it. But guys, I'll tell you, like nothing else we do in our lives, when we pray, we are admitting our need for God. We are saying, God, I can't, but I'm believing you can. We are, we are admitting, we are, like nothing else in our walk, prayer is the time that we get to the end of us and we get to him. Like nothing else we do. Here's, here's why I say that, because I can read the word. There are a ton of people out there. guys. There are, there are professors at universities that preach the word of God that don't believe the word of God. Like they teach it. You can know a ton of word and not believe a word of it. But you don't pray unless you really believe it's doing something. Right? So, prayer, and I've talked about this before, prayer reveals some things about us. It reveals what we think about us, it reveals about what we think about God, and it reveals what we think God thinks of us. And so, if we don't pray, chances are pretty good. That we don't have a really strong opinion about God's opinion of us or about prayer's power to do it. So we decided um, a couple months ago to to take some time and actually do a whole series on prayer. And we and we call it this, we're calling it the secret to prayer, and we're and we're loosely basing it on the book that's out there. I think there's still a handful of copies left out in the lobby. Take one if you haven't, if you don't have one, guys, if you're not reading it. You are so missing out on, on just a beautiful heart for prayer. I mean, I it is it is nurturing my soul as I read through this book a second time. Um, last week, Dr. Roberts was here, the author of the book, and he preached on prayer. And, and a couple of things I took down his notes that I just wanted to remind you of as he talked, to, as he connected this idea of prayer and humility. He said this: humility is our right view of ourselves in light of our right view of God. That's ultimately the definition of humility. Our, it's a right view of ourselves in light of the right view of God. And then I love this part. When we come, I remember him saying this, when we, and I've, I've written this down multiple times this week. When we come to God in our humility, he never responds with humiliation. Right. And, but, but if we don't believe that, we will not come to God in humility. And that's ultimately where we're going to end Today, so in this series we're in, we're in week four. In week one, we talked a little bit about like what is the secret to this prayer life in First Kings, and what the secret to a power prayer life that was basically humility. In week two, we talked a little bit about the theology of prayer in First Thessalonians, and we talked about how um, like the theology of prayer is ultimately that it is what. God like what do we think about God and what do we think God thinks about us? That, that, that ultimately massively impacts our theology of how, we, how and why we pray. And then last week, Dr. Roberts, he talked about like in humbled hearing, what is the prerequisite for hearing prayer, like, like God hearing our prayers. And ultimately he brought us back to this idea of humility and how Solomon um, was, was actually humble. Now today what we're going to do, and for the rest of the messages in this series until we head up the hill together and finish the series actually up on the mountain at retreat, praise the lord by the way invite your friends guys that is such a if we believe in the collective witness of the body of christ meaning together there's something that this i'm not making this up acts chapter two together there is a witness that the world needs to see what a great opportunity for that then you just say hey why don't you come hang out with us for a couple days in the woods Right? And and invite them. This isn't just for cross-trained people. It's not even just for church people. So invite your friends to an unsaved family or saved family or disconnected people to to retreat. We have, because unlike past years, because we we are blessed with the, the facility at Prescott Pines, we have lots of room. Like, we didn't have a lot of room at Friendly Pines. We pretty much maxed it out. We have lots of room at Prescott Pines. So there's plenty of opportunity to engage with other people or to invite other people in to, select, to let them just see what, it, what, what felt the collective, the witness that we have in our fellowship. But, but that's an aside. So, so now what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to get into, like, the nuts and bolts of prayer. And so today we're talking about humbled confession, and I, and I love where the Holy Spirit already took it in, our, in everything from what was shared um, during the prayer time by you guys and Josh and, and even what Garrett shared and, and, um, and just the whole thing, how, how the Holy Spirit works all that out week to week. I, Carrie and I talk about this when we first sort of started getting a little more loose with our order of service, you know, like just allowing the Holy Spirit to work. I always, I was, I, for weeks, I finally just stopped saying it. I, I'm like, every week I I'd go home going, you know what, that was not exactly how I saw that going down. But it's way better than I could have planned, right? And and I would say the same thing about what's already happened here today. All, All I'm doing by coming up here to preach the word is not the pinnacle of our time together, it is just one more act of worship. We have been worshiping now for an hour, and we will continue to worship in the word, even as we talk about something that can feel uncomfortable, like confession, right? So let me ask you a question before we get to the question of the day. When I say the word confession, what do you think of? When I say the word confession, what do you think of? Cleansing your soul. Cleansing your soul. Good. Sloughing it off. Okay, sloughing it off. Awesome. What else? There's anything. Is, when, 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 you, when you hear the word confession, what do you think? Catholics. What? Catholics. <laughs> Catholics. thank you. I, I thought you were saying Aflac. I'm like, what? Wait. Mike Ray, help me out here. Um, Catholics, okay, like a confessional booth. we have confessions, we have the, you know the all the things that okay, that's good. Thank you. Thank you for being real. That's awesome. What else? Worthlessness. Worth like worthlessness. worthlessness. I sin, I need to be right with God. I sinned, I need to be right with God. You guys are way too spiritual. Publicly. Don't we publicly, okay. Don't we have any are all of our police officers on vacation today? I think they are, or they're working. Or they're retired, right? Do who do you like? Is is confession not a word that is used sometimes with like police, right? It, like right. So the confession isn't by itself a just all by itself a biblical practice. In the Bible, it's actually used multiple ways. Some of the super spiritual ways that you holy rollers are sharing, but then also a conf- another way confession is used. That we're, it's not the theme for today, but it's, it is a confession, is a statement of belief. The Nicene Creed is a confession of faith. Oh, by the way, so is Romans 10, 9 and 10. right? If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because with your heart one believes and is justified, and with his mouth he what? Confesses and is saved. Now, I I wasn't admitting anything. I wasn't bearing my soul. I was just saying, I believe that. That's another way to say confession. Here's how that way of the Bible uses the word confession and the way we're talking about it today match up. It's because when you confess in all those super spiritual ways we were just talking about, like laying your soul bare, guess what you're saying? I believe that. I believe the gospel. So if we don't confess our sins ongoing, what what our heart is ultimately saying is, I don't really believe the gospel. And we're going to see that today. In our passage today, so, so today we're talking about, so here's the question. So ultimately, in light of all that stuff about confession, here's the question. How does admitting our wrongs confessing our wrongs, lead to a better life. And the Apostle John, who wrote the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and Revelation, he's going to tell us in 1st John, here's how it, confessing our wrongs leads to a better life. In 10 verses, he's going to tell us this life in Christ we want, that we, so, that, we, that we even heard people praying for, that is filled with perfecting joy, only comes one way, according to John. The word of God, it only comes one way, and it's through continual, constant confession. So, open up your Bibles to First John, and we're going to look at our first point. And I want to reiterate again, guys, that if you don't, that that if we don't feel the need to pray, what we're ultimately saying is we don't feel a need for God in our lives, because that's really what that amount that's really what that foreshadows. If we don't feel the need to confess. It's either because, one, we have an unhealthy view of ourselves, and we don't think we have, we've done anything wrong, which is, a, which is a massive issue even within the church. right? Or we don't really believe in the grace, the full beautiful grace of the gospel. And so hopefully John destroys those myths today for us as we talk about this. So look at 1 John 1, 1-3. He says this, First John, for the end of your Bibles. Hopefully you found it by now. Um, you should have already read it this morning as part of your daily reading. So you should have it marked in your Bible before you got here. Hint, hint. Verse 1 of chapter 1 of 1 John. So this is the beginning of his letter that he's writing. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Who's the that he's talking about? It's not a what, it's a who. Who's the who? Jesus. Remember John. How does John remember? This is the apostle. This is the apostle John. He's one of the big three: Peter, James, and John. He is the one who describes himself as the as the disciple Jesus loved the most. Right? He is the one that laid his head on Jesus' shoulder. He is like if, if there was a BFF for Jesus in the in the twelve, it was John. He's the one that starts his gospel with in just like he says here. That which was from the beginning. How does John start his gospel? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things, all of this that has come into being has come into being through him. And none of this has come into being apart from him. And in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Right? And then he goes on to say, and that word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And look how he keeps going in this letter, now he's writing to the church. The life was made manifest, there's John 1.14, and the word became flesh, was made manifest, that's what that term means, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, that which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Now you might say, "Yeah, but wait a minute, Doug. It's not manifest to me and that I I can't see Jesus." Well, we're going to turn to 1 Peter, and I remember one of the other big threes, the Apostle Peter, and he's going to say and he's going to tell us, "Guys, even though you don't see him, you know him. You bo- you love him and believe in him. How? Because his Holy Spirit has been sent to indwell us. His word has been sent to reveal to reveal to us." Right? we, we have we have more evidences, I know this is hard for me to believe, we have more evidences of of the grace of Jesus' presence in our lives than the disciples did. We just don't drink from it deeply enough. Right? So, let's keep going. Verse 3. That which we have seen, so he's kind of reiterating the point, we have heard, so we what we saw, we heard, therefore I cannot remember Acts 4 something 13 maybe we cannot stop speaking about that which we've seen and heard this is that was peter speaking again now here's here's john going hey what we've seen and heard we proclaim <laughs> also to you but now here's the key so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus guys I, 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 we're going to come back to this in our last point, so I'm not going to belabor it, but I want you to understand something. Fellowship and friendship are not the same thing. We have lots of friends. I've got 3,000 friends on Facebook. Right? I've got 500 followers on Instagram. I don't, but I'm just saying. Like I like I've got Twitter whatever Twitter people are. I've got I've got friends that I've that, that I've not inter- that I maybe like like when you're talking to somebody, "Hey, do you know someone?" so? "Yeah, we're friends." Well, and then you kind of backfill. You go, "Well, actually we maybe communicate once every couple years if that." But you still put your put them in a friend group. That's not fellowship. Fellowship, here's, here's the thing that makes fellowship and friendship very different, and you got to get this. There are two big things. One is, fellowship is supernatural. The word for fellowship in the Bible is koinonia, right? And it isn't just friendship, it's, it's supernatural relationship. It's what makes the church a supernatural entity. It's why we're not just a group of people who get together on Sunday because we all like the same topic. There are some sitting here right now that might be in that boat, but if you're really a part of the church, that means that you are supernaturally grafted into it. So one, fellowship is supernatural. Two, it is participatory. Like I was saying about, I can have lots of friends that I don't generally participate with very often. For fellowship to be fellowship, it is participatory. And that goes this way and this way. And guys, I'm not making it up. That's what koinonia means. That's why John uses that word here. He's saying it is about participation. So it's not just friendship. He's saying I, I want, I, we, we need to get deeper. He's saying this relationship that we want with Christ, that we want with Christ is a fellowship relationship and that's a deep deep thing. So with that I want to, our first talking points question that's actually on um, the back of your um, connecting po- or, the back, or the back of your training sheet So in your bulletin, there's a question, and here's what it says. And I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud. We're not going to turn for this one and talk. But how is your fellowship? In light of what you just heard, out of God's word, participation and supernatural, how is your fellowship? First and foremost with Jesus. So so stop right now and just take a minute. Father, I just want to come to you. I pray that you would search the hearts of this room, including my own and those that are online. Lord, that you would help us right now on a scale of one to five. Five being man, you and I, Jesus are walking step and step, and one is I'm in a dry and weary land where there is no rest. Where are we? Okay, so now I'm not going to ask you to even raise a finger or something. I'm just like like give me a score. i just want you to think like where are you with Jesus, fellowship wise. And then the second thing would be, where are you with one another, fellowship-wise? So take a second, and just ask, like, how connected are you to other brothers and sisters in Christ? Because here's the, here's the thing, you, you can be friends with an unregenerate person. You cannot have fellowship with, a, with someone who's not born again. I didn't make that up, that's just Biblical. You can only be in fellowship with someone who is born again. So out of those people that you know that are that are following Christ, how is your fellowship? Okay. So our question today we're asking you so how does confessing our junk, our wrongs lead to a better life? One, it is the gateway to this fellowship. Right? It is this relationship with Christ we want. And our second point is that is filled with perfecting joy. And, it's, and our second point is one verse. So let's read it. Verse 4. He says, in verse 4 of 1 John, he says, And we are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. Now, just like friendship is not the same thing as fellowship, biblical joy is not the same thing as happiness. So he is not saying so that you'll be really happy. He's saying you'll be full of joy. And I read that and I go, okay, well, so, and then, and then he's not just saying that you'll be full of it, but he's saying that it will be complete. That word complete there actually is, is actually in the tense of completing. So perfecting. So he's saying that you, that I'm writing these things to you so that your joy would be in the process of perfecting you. Meaning it, your joy in Jesus is going to make you feel satisfied. And does it? Now you say, yeah, but that's really wonderful, Doug, but, but how? Like, like, like that, that's easy to say, but the world is hard. I'm glad you asked. Turn, if you would, just a few pages to, your, to the left, back to 1 Peter 1 Peter chapter 1, it's a letter that we went through together not so long ago. But in 1 Peter 1, remember, Peter is one of the other big three apostles. Peter, James, and John. So John is writing a letter long after Peter has been executed upside down by church tradition. He was crucified upside down. John writes 1 John sometime probably after that, but before he's probably got 1 Peter in his hands. And yet look at what he says Look at how Peter and John are so similar in what they say. I'm just going to pick it up in verse 6. In this you rejoice. Now, I, I said I was going to pick up in verse 6, but I lied. Because when we read something in the Bible, when we're talking about training people to teach God's truth, when you read something in the Bible, you're sitting in your D group, which, as RJ said, could just be three ladies sitting in a coffee shop talking about the Word of God, and you get to a section that says something like, and in this, will you greatly rejoice, you need to ask yourself what, some question, which would, seems obvious, what's the question? In what? in what? What's the this? Well, here's the this. Right. Look at verse 3, the end of verse 3. Part of the this is, you were born again to a living hope, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's a pretty big this. Verse 4, and oh, by the way, not only have you been born again, but your inheritance is imperishable and undefiled. Pretty big thing to rejoice in. And then look at verse 5, as if all of that's not enough, and that salvation is going to be revealed to you in the last time. So Peter is saying, because you've been born again, you have an inheritance in heaven waiting for you, and it's gonna be revealed to you, and those are promises you can count on. This is why verse five or verse six, in this we rejoice. But then he's not living in La La Land. He's like, guys, that that up there, all of that, those promises, that's why you rejoice. Because, oh, by the way, now for a little while, you're gonna suffer various trials. Right, that's what he said. Right there he says it. He's not living in like 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 the gospel is not pie in the sky, everything's wonderful. The gospel is the here and now impacts there and then for glory because that's what matters. You are not is as, as hard as as painful as, as the stuff that was confessed even during our prayer time or losing a loved one or what as hard as it is, guys, if we will allow the grace of God to let it do the conforming work in our lives, God means it to be, I'm telling you, you will never enter, in, you will enter into glory going, thank you, Lord, for making that happen in my life. Because that's, it's really hard to do when you're in it and that's part of why we really need one another to remind ourselves of it. And we'll get back to that here in our last point. But look, I'm spending too much time on this on this second point. Look at what he says, verse seven. So, because life's hard, the testing of your faith uh, that that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through tested with fire. So I should have just let Peter talk for me because he's just saying what I just said. May be found to result in the praise and the glory and honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now this is the part I, I alluded to in our first point. Though you have not seen him, you love him though you do not see him. Now, he's talking to people that never met Jesus. He's saying, though that you don't see him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice. With what kind of rejoicing? You rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible because, and, because, and it is filled with glory. And because of this, you obtain the outcome of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. Guys, joy is not happiness, How is it found? It's found by by recognizing that the stuff you're going through now is is completing you. That that so how so how do we hold on to that? Guys, ultimately, here's in the because when when we're in the midst of of trials that many of us are in personally, and frankly, that our nation is in right now and that the world is going through, here's, here's the question. It's back to what I talked about last week when I did, the, um, when I did like the, our introduction time. Whose voice are you listening to? Right? Whether you see what's going on in your life, in your family, in the world, as something that will bring you joy, not happiness, joy, or whether you allow it to bring you misery and anger and strife and worry has everything to do with one thing, and that is, what voice are you listening to? So, the next training, the next training um, point is this. So the next talking point is this. Think back to what you think about, listen to, watch, and discuss most. Is it filling you with joy? How do the voices you hear impact your soul? What are some specific things you do to lift your spirit and find his perfecting joy? So I'm going to give you a minute, like one, to turn to the people that you're sitting with and, and, and answer this question. So, how does what you're listening to affect your soul? I mean, I'm talking on a practical level. Think about the stuff you watch on TV, the movies you watch, the music you listen to, whatever it is, how does that make you feel on either, like, good or bad, right? And then... And then We'll just answer together the second part, which is some, what are some ways that we can turn our mind's attention and heart's affection back to Him? So go. Okay, so wrap up. I know it's so not much time. Um, so wrap, just kind of wrap up your, your conversating. So, so is somebody willing to risk how, uh, like a, a, I guess I don't know i to say but a negative example of how what they either listen to or see or watch affects them in a negative way? The news. Go ahead. The news. The news. What, like, so tell me about that. Like, in a sentence. It's a never-ending cycle of destruction and hate. Okay, so the news is a never-ending cycle of destruction and hate. So you turn on the news because you feel like you've just kind of got to know what's going on in the world. Do you ever walk away from those moments feeling better? Ever? No. Okay, keep going. Anybody else? Or did that kind of cover it for everybody? (laughs) Not necessarily, but go ahead, Scott. Okay. In the right perspective. Good. So, like, stuff that you might watch that isn't, like, overtly Christian, worldly stuff that maybe is not evil or anything, but it might just fill you with pride, um, a sense of, like, as you're comparing yourself to other people. Good. Mo. Did did you hear that last part? Because that's huge, and it's where we'll go here in a minute. Like as we talk about the second half of the question about how do we fill, how do we focus on the joy? So Mo said that like he'll watch it, but he'll 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 start to feel that part of him, but then he'll quickly kind of go. I thank God that I'm not like that. Like that I'm not, and, and not in a prideful way, but like in a heartbroken way. You know, like to be able, to, like to like for me, it started to, and, and I and I don't do this all the time by any stretch, but it started to turn for me when my heart started to go. Of course they behave that way. Or of course that's happening there because they don't have the light of Christ as opposed to going, "Oh, how could they do that? How could they think that?" Right? Like that there's a there's a huge mature like like stepping into maturity as a follower of Christ to be able to go because we can't be a, we need to know what's going on in the world. We need to be active especially in our country about what's going on in the world. Right? We live in a representative republic. We better be active in what's going on or we're not represented. Absolutely. But I'll just give you a great example. No offense to some people in the room. I was sent something by Tucker Carlson on Fox News. And I haven't watched him probably ever really. But I'm like, you know what? I just want to wanna test my theory. Right? This, this week, by God's providence. So I watched. It was a 10-minute thing. I, it was something about immigration. Here's the thing. I, I agreed with every single word that came out of his mouth. I did, which didn't surprise me, honestly. It was a conservative view. It was, I, I, he wasn't talking spiritual things. He wasn't, I agreed with every word that came out of his mouth. I still walked away so angry. like I felt like I had to take a bath, <laughs> spiritually. That's not Tucker's fault. He's doing his job. It's my fault. But guys, don't... Here, here's my plea again. Do not deceive yourself into believing that listening to those voices, can so, you can somehow just turn that off and turn back on the God moment because you can't. It takes time. It, it's filth takes time to get off of you. So the voices we listen... So in light of that, just real quick, what are some ways we can fill ourselves with voices that bring us joy? Quickly, everybody, Anybody? Pray. Thank you. Fellowship. What? Fellowship. Fellowship. Sing. Yeah, read Good. The word. Read, word. read the word. Yeah, I, I mean, I, again, and not just because it's just safer for me to use personal examples. So, you know, my dad passed away on Monday. I went to be with the Lord. Um, I've just been in a funk all week. So last night I got home from helping we, the music team do some stuff here. I came home. I'm like, hon, I just got to go for a walk. I put in a song that's back in like 2004, 2005 from Mercy Me called Undone. And I turned up my earbuds as loud as I could and I probably listened to that thing five times on my 20 minute walk. And it's, it's, it says, to the cross I run, holding high my chains undone. And I find I am finally free, free to be what I've become. And I just, Amen. and I just listened to that until I believed it. right? And, and guys, it makes such a difference in our lives. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was sort of the 20th century version of the 19th century Charles Spurgeon, he was a British pastor who everybody like talks about, quotes, taught, you know, a lot of what you think of as good Bible teaching today is because of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in the in the early 1900s. He said this, "Joy, inexpressible, describes a condition of the soul that takes place when the Lord Jesus pours out his holy spirit upon the soul of a believer." Because, because the soul of the believer has been poured out onto Christ. Like, that's what biblical joy is. Because that's what the gospel promises. That's what Peter was telling us. Right? But don't we want these things? I mean, life everlasting, mercy in abundance, grace without end, praise overwhelming, joy inexpressible. Don't we want those things? That's what the gospel, pro- that, that's what the gospel promises. But we just want them now. We're like the girl on on the Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. But I want it now. Well, go and then, go then, go turn into a blueberry and get juiced or something. But the bottom line is that juicing ain't happening until we get to heaven. And 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 we have to keep that eternal perspective. Okay, that second point was supposed to take five minutes. It took like fifteen. So here we go. Our thought today is: How does? Confessing the wrongs we do lead us to a better life, one this life in Christ that we, that, that if you're a christian you, you desperately want right it that is that is filled with perfecting joy even through the, through the hard times, especially in the hard times, only comes one way, and that 's through just this constant ongoing confession and that's what John, that's what John is going to show us with our last few verses, so take a look at. First John, we're back in 1 John, starting in verse five. Comes through constant confession. This is the message we have heard from him. So, so, he started out with, "Here's the person. Here's what the person does. Brings us joy. Here's the message. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to him that God is light. Remember, John one, his gospel, John one. In him was light, and light was light. Or light in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him, there is no darkness at all. He's saying, here's what he's saying. God cannot deal in darkness. Right? Now, I'm not going to go into the theology about what God can't do. I'm, I'm just saying God doesn't dwell in the darkness is what he's telling us. Now look at verse 6. So if we say we have fellowship with him, God, while we walk in the darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Guys, here's what, here's what just struck me. Because the phrase, so look at verse 7. We have fellowship with one another. Because one, because one another is a term that makes my brain immediately go like this. I've always read that passage kind of going, that's what John is talking about. That is not what John is talking about. In the context of this passage, we have to ask ourselves the question, why is this verse in this paragraph? Why is this paragraph in this chapter? Why is this chapter in the Bible? He's saying fellowship is important. In this part of it, he's he's saying, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Who is the one another? Us and God. Guys, if you don't get this part of this this message, this point, you're not going to understand why 1 John 1.9 is such a big deal. Because that's the verse in, in, in 1 John that everybody knows. So it's because in the light is where we have this fellowship with God. We have fellowship with one another. Guys, a way to put this just at, at, at the boots level. So one of the images that we use in our, um, in our marriage counseling and even in our, some of our marriage retreats is that this triangle idea. Um, it's gonna, so, so we talk. you can't really see the lady, but there's a kind of red lady over there. Um, so it's like, like a husband and a wife. And one of the things that we talked about, because Carrie and I have experienced this in our own lives, is as the both of us grow closer to Christ separately, what happens to the both of us? We grow closer together. That same reality in fellowship, as our fellowship with Christ improves, increases, our fellowship as a married couple and as a family. So if my family's over here and, and the husband and wife over here, we grow closer together as we grow closer to Christ. It's the same thing with the church family. When it's a, as we are growing closer to Christ, we are growing closer together. Right there's a there's a, we cannot lose sight of that. But the question then becomes, the question that gets begged then is how, like how do we do that? Right. Well, we'll look at so if if verses five six if if well if if verses five six and seven are 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 John telling us that faith, like this, this fellowship comes from walking in the light, what he's going to finish the chapter with in verses 8, 9, and 10 is here's how you get into the light. And he's not talking about salvifically. He's, in other words, he's not saying, I mean, it is true salvifically. It is true that we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord because then we're, that's how we are saved. That's not what John's talking about here. I'll show you. He still look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If, you could say but if, we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Guys, please hear this. If you've tuned out, I, I need you to listen. I do. Because this is really the whole point of the message. This is not a passage about perfection. This is a passage about confession. When, when, for too long in my life, and I think for too long in how I parented my daughters and too long in how I've pastored the church, I would, I would even inadvertently sometimes read verses 8 and 10 as I better walk better. I just gotta, mu- I just gotta muscle my way through this i got to stop looking at this. i got to start doing that. I, 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 I. Guys, this is not a passage about perfection. He's, what, here's the point John is making. It's, it's what's called an inclusio in the Greek. It means he's trying to make the point, because there were no paragraphs in the Greek manuscripts. So he's trying to make a point. First John 1, 9 is the point. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But he's saying that's the point and, I'm gonna, and I want to make that point by bracketing it with the same point on either end. That the point is, if you are in the darkness, you don't have fellowship. You're not in fellowship. The way you get into fellowship is by confessing your sins. And if you say... If, so so look, at what he said, look at what it says. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin... Verse 9, if we confess our sins, so if we say we do have sins, guys, the word confess there is is in the active. He's not saying if we confessed our sin and we're saved. That's why I'm saying it's not about salvation. In this case, he's talking about ongoing confession. If we ongoing confess our sin, but then look at verse 10, he says, he's he's making the point, it's the same point he made in verse 8. It's the exact same point, he's just repeating himself, to make emphasis on verse 9. He's saying, but if we say we don't have sin. So in other words, guys, if you're sitting here today going, I have, I have nothing to write on my card, then you only have a few options. And they're actually, and I stole these from, from Dr. Um, De Roberts because these are out of the book. Here's option one. If you say I have nothing to write on my card, here's option one. I believe that walking in the light is possible through Christians' continual obedience to the Lord. That that has been me for way too long. Shame on me. Which means that I have no darkness to worry about. Good luck with that. I'll pray for you. Right? If you have nothing to write on your card, you've got serious problems. I I know it feels like just the opposite. Wait a minute. Shouldn't I have... No. You have serious problems. Not with me. With the Lord. Because you're not getting grace. Like, you don't get... Understand grace. Option two, we can fake it, which is what the church is so good at. We are all so good at this. You can fake it and keep up the exhausting effort of living with a life of pretense of the light, only to fool yourself and those around you, but never God. So you can just keep showing up and pretending like your life is great and you're not struggling. Or here's the third one. You can try your best to love God and those around you. So so, so there is effort on our part. And you can also humbly confess those moments when you're walking in the darkness. guys. We, it's what we talked about a few minutes ago. We all struggle to dabble in the darkness. There's only two things. There's only, there's only God's kingdom and the world's kingdom. And moment by moment, we are looking and living in either one of those things. They don't, and all the world things don't necessarily look ugly and evil. They can, but they don't always. But the bottom line is, we are either living in one or two of those things. And guys, I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm over time and I know it's really warm in here. But um, it, we just, we have to see this, because this is such, guys, if we can understand as a church what John, what John is showing us today and what we're going to look at next week in the, book of, in the book of James, it will transform our family. And so I am praying, and I'd ask you to join me. Father, I'm praying right now with my brothers and sisters that this week and next week in particular as we talk about confession and sharing, like sharing our very souls with one another. Lord, I pray that you would use it to do a supernatural change in our, you you started it a while ago, but Lord, that this would even be a time where we would look back and go, that was a time that changed Cross-Train Church for your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Guys, turn to Genesis chapter three. Turn to Genesis chapter three. So just just so you know and you kind of know where we're going as you're maybe looking at the clock and wondering when the Cardinals game starts and um, and all that stuff, we're not doing communion today. We're gonna have it to, after I make after we kind of finish up with this last point, we're doing, we're gonna have a time of response with our little three by five cards, and we're gonna have a time of music, and so you just so you kind of know where to go, so be so we and we're gonna spend some time just giving you a chance to pray about what the Holy Spirit would would convict you of that you could either punch a hole in your card and put it on the cross or throw it at the foot of the cross or even, or both and, like we did a couple of weeks ago, are there things that you just want to offer up to the Lord on an ongoing basis that you want to put on our prayer wall? People, situations, places, right? And so you can do that. We have extra cards up here on the table, but we'll, we'll get there in a minute. But I want to show you why that matters. I know, and I know I, I, I find myself even in my own soul Going back to Genesis 3 a lot, and it's because there's so much. Guys, all of the rest of this book flows out of what we see in Genesis chapter 3. All of it. There is no need for the rest of this Bible. There's no need for 1 John if Genesis 3 does not happen. So we just spent the last 35 minutes talking about 1 John, and. If we don't go back to, well, why, does 1 John, why do we need First 1 John nine? Here's why we need it. Look at chapter 3, verse 7. So, you, so, so, here's the, so, so Adam and Eve have, have, have taken it. Satan came. They took the fruit. They've eaten. Now look what happens. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. Now, now wait a second. What, what, what's that? Not a big deal. Right? They were the only two people, in the they were married, they were a married couple, why can't they be naked in front of each other? Right? A question I ask my daughters all the time about, um, never mind, just kidding, just making sure you're paying attention, just making sure you're paying attention. Look at verse 25 of chapter 2. All right, edit that out of the tape. Look at, look at, verse, look at verse 25. This is how they were made. This is how Adam and Eve were made. And the man and the wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now hold on to that as we go into verse. Now look at what happens in, in chapter. So they, now they have rebelled against God. It says, and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So they are trying to cover their shame. Because for the first time in their existence, they feel something they've never felt before, and it is shame. And it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. First time they'd ever done that among the trees of the garden. Why did they hide themselves from God? Because they felt shame. Because this isn't just their problem. It's our problem. Let's keep going. Just a couple more verses. But the Lord called to the man and said, this is pursuing grace, where are you? And look at, what, look, at how, look at all the I statements in Adam's response. I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Shame, shame, shame. I am not worthy. I am not good enough. I realize I've rebelled. I, 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 I. I. I'll let you in a little secret, guys. If you don't think you're good enough to follow Christ, I'm going to let you in a little secret. You're not. You're just not. So stop trying to be. That's the gospel. If we don't get that, we do not understand grace. But we have created a church culture that is all about trying to white-knuckle this gospel thing into existence. And it, it, is, it is heresy. And oh, by the way, it is a massive affront to Christ. So look what he says. So, so we'll finish it up here. Verse 11. This is God speaking. Who told you you were naked? In other words, here's, you know what he's asking him? Who shamed you? Have you eaten from the tree I told you not to eat? Now, here's the thing. Does God just let them, does God just let them get away with their sin? No. He asks them a question of conviction. Right? It, it is not wrong to feel convicted. God does care about our behavior. He cared about Adam and Eve's behavior. He cares about your behavior. There's a difference in, in this. And again, if you fell asleep, wake up, because we really are going into our time of response with this. Guys, there's a massive difference between conviction and shame. God convicts Adam. Who told you you were naked? Did you do what I asked you not to do? He asks him a question as he's pursuing him in grace. And oh, by the way, later he covers his shame and he says this. So, so this, is, this is the difference. The ministry of conviction is meant to drive you back into your relationship with God through prayer of confession. Because conviction is a good thing. And we're going to pray for that here in just a minute. But what, The enemy does. Do not let the enemy steal the fellowship you have with Christ by making you hide in shame. Because shame keeps you away from your relationship with God. Shame will keep you from writing stuff down on your card. Shame will keep you living in the darkness that John talked about. Remember what he said? If you say, my card is white, then you're calling God a liar. Right? He's saying, that then you have no fellowship with him. In that moment, you have no... He's not, this is not, he's not saying you're not saved. Might be true if you've never come to faith in Christ. But if you've placed your faith in Christ, that doesn't mean that we can't still dabble in the darkness. And he's saying, if you say to yourself, you know what, I have no, I have, I have no darkness in me. He's saying, then you're not really getting the truth of the cross of Jesus Christ. How do we get to this place where, where we can live in conviction but not live in shame? There's only one way to answer that and that is to run, run, run to the cross. To the cross I run, holding high my chains undone. And I find I am free to be what I've become. You guys, run to the cross. Do you understand that? Do you understand that you are completely and utterly known? Everything about you. Here's what blows my mind about how I used to think about this and how I still can get trapped in this thinking. Not only can I not hide my sin from God, and neither can you. There's nothing you can hide from Him. You can hide it from each other, but we can't hide it from Him. We don't need to. But we think we do. We think there's something we could write on this card that somehow he isn't going to annihilate. We think there's somebody we could write, like that we that we're trying to, we want our prayers, we, we want this prayer life to be powerful, but we won't get rid of our junk so that we can so that we can have that fellowship that allows him to clearly hear our voice. Guys, okay, so you are completely and utterly known. And fully and forever forgiven. Like, that's the gospel. That's it. Do you know it? Do you live it? Let me pray. Father, I just come to you right now, Lord, and I pray that our hearts would respond. Yes, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I I come to you right now with my brothers and sisters and on behalf of my brothers and sisters. And I pray that you would search us, oh God. That you would try us. Test us. And know our anxious thoughts. Know those things that that maybe we are angry about, that we are bitter about. Those situations like my sweet sister confessed that I can frankly completely relate to and that we would just give them to you. Because if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to annihilate them. to cleanse us so that we can get back into the light back into full fellowship with you but this will this will radically change my life my marriage my family this church the globe if we would just understand it how do i know because it's the gospel it is the good news that you have done for us what we could not do but we diminish it. You are are the one who makes the offer. Come. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And you will find rest for your souls. Just come. Stop hiding. Just come. And you're also the one who is the offering. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It is finished. So Lord, I, I pray but not just in the next few minutes as we respond with our little cards or as we respond in song and even in fellowship afterwards. I pray that as we walk out of here today and as we go through our week, we would be quick to listen to the voice of truth, that we would be quick to run to the cross of Jesus Christ, that we would lift our chains up and go, not anymore, Satan, done. We have been set free. And if the Son has set us free, we are free Indeed. Let us just live that way. And in those moments where we find ourselves getting dragged back into the darkness because we're listening to the wrong voice, we're listening to the voice that's trying to get us to hear shame, I want to pray that you would supernaturally impose the cross of Christ on that and say, Satan, go to hell where you belong. You have no place in our lives. But we're in a fight. And we're going to fight the only way we know how, and that is with the truth of your word and the power of prayer and the presence of your spirit. And those things are more than sufficient to win the battle. So Lord, I pray that that even as fatigue or or whatever it is people are feeling or, 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 or just apathy, Lord, I want to pray that you would wake us up. That you would wake me up that you would reveal things that are down deep in my heart, the junk that maybe I thought was done and it's still there, and that I would give it to you, that I could be free of it, that I could walk in the light because I am a child of the light. And because you are the light, that's when we have fellowship with you. Lord, let our confession, let our confession restore